Thank you for joining us here at Fellowship Church for today's message. Our desire is to encourage others to love God, love people, and impact the world. And we would love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So take a moment and visit us online at fellowshipws.org. Find the Share Your Story button and tell us what God is doing in your life. While you're there, you'll also find useful information about our church and other resources that will bring you closer to Christ. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy today's message. Uh, 1 Kings 18 and 21. Elijah, he knew what God wanted to do, but the people of God had to get into alignment. I'm telling you now, it's not, it's not about time, it's about alignment. Tell somebody it's not about time. It's about alignment. You know why? Because I've seen people when they have gotten newly saved. I've seen the most miracles happen when people are newly saved because they have childlike faith. All they believe is what somebody has told them. They have believed God unto salvation. And if you tell me if I speak it, it's going to come to pass. So it has nothing to do with how long you've been saved. See, we try to bring God into a finite measure like he's a person. God is not like man, neither is he, is he man. He's not the son of man that he should lie or have to repent. If he said it, he is able and just and willing and eager to bring it to pass. Amen? But 18 and 21, here's the first thing that Elijah said to people. He said, Elijah came to all the people and he said, How long will you be limping? This is the ESV. He said, how long will you go limping between two different opinions? If the Lord is God, then follow him. But if Baal be God, you follow him. The King James said, how long are you going to waver between two opinions? You have to understand, people of God, this is a generation. And I'm not talking about the generation so far as the Gen Xs or, 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 or the Gen Y or all those people. I'm talking about the day and the age that if you live in, everybody loves options. Everybody loves options. I can't, I can't just have a cup of just Folgers coffee anymore. Now I got to have a caramel frappuccino with extra salt and two packs of sugar. Tell somebody say options. It's not good enough just to have a phone that you can communicate with people. Now you got to have a, a particular color skin and your cover's got to look like this. And all of this, people have made millions and billions of dollars off of customization because everybody wants options. And Elijah is telling the people of God. He said, if God be God, then you need to follow him. If Baal be God, you need to follow Baal. But you need to get off the fence and make a decision. So many times people want to live as close to the line as they can. I'm going to take inventory. Ooh, I didn't sin. I didn't drink. I didn't cuss. I didn't sleep with nobody. I didn't fornicate. I didn't look with nobody with no lust in my eye. Ooh. But God said it's time to make a decision. Get far away from the half-court line and come on over fully to the side. Tell somebody, get off the fence and pick a side. And 
it's not just people that's trying to sin as much as they can, trying to get away as much, trying to find a loophole. Some of us who are goodly saved and on our way to heaven, and, 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 we're, and we're not doing anything that is adverse that would, that would get us out of the graces of God, but it's just about our belief system. That God, I believe you, to, I believe that you're going to save my children. But just in case, you know, it's seeming a little murky, I'm going to do a couple things. I'm going to stop manipulating. I'm going I'm to I'm try to do a couple things. God, I believe you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna, uh, uh, fix my marriage, but just in case you're moving a little too slow, God, I'm going to do a couple things. And I'm just like, Elijah, make up your mind. Do you trust God? Do you follow after him? Or do you want this convoluted, this ambiguous, this this enigma. See, 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 society has, 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 has turned relationship with God into this mushy, gray, undefined thing. They treat it like a mutual fund that as long as I got God in my portfolio. You know how it is when people, you know, they say you're supposed to diversify when you're, when, when, when you're trading stocks and when you're buying, when you're investing, that you need to get a little bit of Apple, you need to get a little bit of Walmart, you need to get a little, little bit of GE. Why? Because you spread out your risk. And that's what people have been living in society that, you know, as long as I acknowledge God, as long as I got a little fish on the back of my car, as long as it, on my post every now and then, I put, I put something in there and, 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 and I, I forward this little thing that inspires me me that I've got God on the team but God said I want all of you he's a jealous God he doesn't want to share you with anybody how many of you are interested in God responding let's be honest I don't do everything for the response of God but when I'm praying I have a petition it'd be nice if he responded can we tell the truth you know, I pray with a purpose, Sister Gwen. I pray because I want him to respond. You have not because you ask not. Tell somebody, I want God to respond. And this, this story is about the response of God. I don't want you to get... Now, the, now the, the fire falling in this story is, is a metaphor of God responding when the conditions are right. He's not a taskmaster that we have to earn all these things. But I do believe when we act in faith and we do the necessary things, God will respond in an awesome way. The story of, of, of this, this story of Elijah, he goes to the king. He says, what we need to do, we need to turn our hearts back to God. And then the prophets of Baal said, no, he's wrong. Baal is the God. And all we have to do is pray to him. And the people were wavering, like, do we believe him? It was like a tennis match. They listen to him, and then they listen to him. Well, Elijah, he already has a resume of what pe people have already seen him separate water, him let axe heads float to the top of him, do all these wonderful things, and yet still the people are doubting the man of God. And he's telling them, you need to choose which God. James 1 and 8 says this, people of God, a double-minded man is unstable 
in all his ways. Tell somebody, don't be unstable. Which means this, if you believe in God for something, I don't care what life starts to turn and look like, you cannot change your confession. If anything, you have to double down on what you believe. Because when you make a declaration, people of God, the enemy is coming to make what you said a lie. He can't stop it from happening, but he knows that you can stop it from happening. So he comes to delay. He comes to discourage. He comes to prevent you from exercising your full measure of faith. But I believe today that we're going to start seeing God's fire to fall in our lives. Amen? First Kings 18 and 30 says this. This, this is wonderful scripture here, y'all. Said Then Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. And all the people came near to him. Look at this, y'all. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been thrown down. See, before this, he gave the prophets of Baal opportunity. Go ahead and call to your God. Do what you want to. He told them, he said, look, we're going to have a showdown. You're going to get a, a, a calf. You're going to get some cattle. I'm going to get a cow. We're going to cut them up. We're going to put it on the altar. We're going to put wood under the altar. And the God that responds by fire is the true God. My question to you is, do you have confidence that you can stand against opposition and put God to the test? You would say, well, he, he's prophet Elijah. This is in a day before the Holy Spirit even inhabited the earth. And he had such confidence that God was going to respond. He created a contest. In the workplace, what are we doing when people are saying things contrary to what God is? Are we avoiding no, I don't want to get in that one. You don't talk about politics. You don't talk about religion. But when you hear somebody saying something that is against your God, how can you not speak up? If I walked up on somebody and somebody was saying something adverse about my wife, we got a problem. Especially after what she did today. <laughs> you got a problem. But yet still we let everybody treat talk, speculate, and run down the God who is responsible for our very heartbeat. We're too quiet, people of God. We are just like Elijah was. We have let the enemy marginalize us and put us in a cave. Tell somebody, it's time to come out of the cave. going to be established on this earth unless he's establishing it through people. And I'm going to talk about it in just a second. As powerful as God is, he needs you to infiltrate the earth. And that's not in my notes, but as powerful as God is, 
He said, let them be. He hung the stars up in the heavens. He hung the planets on their axis and they spin and they stay in the right orbit. He did all of that. And as powerful as he is, he can do nothing without your partnership. Tell somebody, he needs me. He needs, he needs human participation. Why? Because we have dominion over this earth. When he gave it to Adam, he never took it back. Adam gave it away, but Jesus bought it back. And then he said, behold, you will have power over all the powers of the enemy. Amen? But look at what he says. In 31, he said, and Elijah took 12 stones, according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be your name. And with the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord. And then he made a trench about the altar. As a great wood contained two seahs of seed. And he put the wood in order and cut the bull in pieces and laid it on the wood. I want to talk about a couple of things. that he used that are symbolic how many are interested in the fire of God to fall in your life tell somebody I want his response but it's it's, 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 it's it's four things that I want to share with you and I've got a couple of things the first thing is this y'all the first object that he used With 12 stones. Somebody say stone. He used 12 stones representing the sons and the tribes of Jacob. You know Jacob, the one that was the, uh, the obtainer of the blessing? You know Jacob, the one that laid his head on a rock and went to sleep and saw, uh, saw the, the, uh, the ladder of angels coming up and angels coming down. And he put a stone, he put 12 stones together and he made an altar. He rebuilt the altar. Could it be that the reason God is not responding is because we have not rebuilt an altar? Could it be possible that we have been trying to make an altar out of everything else but stones. What does stone represent? Stone represents truth. Jesus asked the disciples, who do men say that I am? Some said, some, they, they responded, said, some say you're Elijah. Some say you wanted to mount a prophet. Somebody say this. And then Peter with his big mouth, he said, he said, I perceive that thou art Christ, the son of the living God. He said, Peter, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. But my Father, in, 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 which is in heaven, and upon this rock, the Spirit of God revealed the truth of who Jesus was. And, and when they were talking about Peter, now Peter's name, it means Petros, which means rock. But, but what he was saying, upon this bedrock of truth, I'm going to build my church that I, Jesus of Nazareth, I am the Son of the living God. And upon this rock of truth, the gates of 
shall never prevail against. You'd be surprised at people that are petitioning God, but they're not petitioning God from a place of truth. They are believing false and strange doctrine. They are believing watered down things. They are asking God for things with ill intent of their hearts so they can make somebody envious or they can get somebody back so that I can show them, God, I want you to bless me so you can show my energy. God is never going to bless you. What is the intent of what you're asking God for? I'm talking about if we're going to get God to respond, y'all. The first thing he did, he laid a stone. Somebody say stone. He laid 12 smooth stones and he made an altar, which means that when we go to God with prayer, what are altars for? Altars are for sacrifice and for prayer. Could it be possible that we've been misusing, we've been abusing, we have been misappropriating our prayer time, or if we are even praying at all? The word of God said he had to rebuild the altar that had fallen away. Could it be in the church that the reason we don't see the power of God in operation like we used to is because the altars have faded away. God wants to respond, but you have to do it according to his pattern. And if you go to God, you have to go to God in truth. Not some strange humanistic version of God, or some not some strange, uh, not some strange ambiguous oh God of the cosmos and God of the flower. No, you are God of the universe. You are Yahweh. You are Elohim. You are El Shaddai. You are the Creator of everything. And whatever you speak becomes truth. You'd be surprised at people that read the Bible every day, but they don't believe it's truth and it's authenticity. When Genesis says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, and nothing was made that was not made by Him, y'all. That's the Bible. But you'd be surprised. The people who have rubbed shoulders with people who are agnostic, who are this. And I don't truly understand this. His ways are unsearchable. That is with faith that we are truly going to worship and serve him. And I know this is not the most happy. You would think, man, it's your birthday. Can't you talk about something happy? But I want to challenge you because you know what? I want God to respond in your life. That's all I want. That would be the best gift to me that if you took this message today and you said, God, I'm approaching you from a different angle. I have to put things in order so that you can respond. How many want to see God respond? Come on, say it in the atmosphere. Say, I want God's response. Here's the second thing. <laughs> the second thing that he put on the altar. Y'all, excuse me. He put a cascade. He built in a certain way. Y'all know anybody that does fires, you build it in a certain way so the air can keep getting in. And he then put wood 
on the altar. Now, this is what really doesn't make sense. Because if God was going to answer by fire, he could have came and consumed up the sacrifice anyway. Didn't need wood. But yet still, he put wood down. What does wood represent? Wood represents man. Wood represents our humanity, our frailty. Because as strong as wood is, it can, it can behind all these, all these walls that you see are wood studs. Wood can be used to construct, to build. The biggest, tallest building with all the stone and all the steel behind it. If there was not wood, it wouldn't be able to stand. What am I saying? The kingdom cannot go forward without your involvement. The success of the failure of the kingdom of God is dependent on human participation. God. And what are you saying, Pastor Tony? Well, you know, well, you know, I, I participate, I pray a little bit, and I do this. No, but God's saying, I need your full participation on the altar. Now, you may get up and you may leave from the altar, but tell somebody, it all starts at the altar. Altar is where the sacrifice happens. Altar is the place where God receives and God sends. And this wood represents flesh. Can change forms. You can boil this down to create wood pulp. You can burn it. You can do all these things. It changes forms almost like water. You can free it. I mean, you can do all kinds of things with this. And God is saying, I need you to lay your humanity down. If you want me to respond, I'm not saying kill yourself. I'm not saying kill anybody else. God doesn't require that anymore because when Jesus became the last sacrifice, there was no more need for any fleshly sacrifice. But God is saying, Everything just like we talked about last week in the king in the year the king Uzziah died, he obtained wealth, health, and prosperity for the kingdom of Israel, but he did it without God. So don't confuse all the zeros in your bank account, don't confuse the new car with the leather trim and all the gadgets and all the gizmos, don't confuse the six figure income, don't confuse the new job with approval from God because those can be works of the flesh. But what Elijah, he knew the formula. He said, let me put some wood representing humanity down on the altar. That's what he did, y'all. And the last thing he did, and I want to read this here. Oh, my goodness. I got, I got, I got, I got, to, tell, I got to tell you this before I move on. There are two things that a fire needs. Brother Ramsey ain't here, but he, he, he can confirm it. There are two things that a fire needs to stay alive. It needs oxygen and it needs a fuel source. Whoa. What am I saying?
A fire cannot continue if there's no more wood left. If there's not a fuel source, the fire can come, but the fire will not continue. Once the fuel source leaves, once the wood is fully consumed up, the ashes will stay warm for a while, but the fire will go out. The fire will go out once your wood turns to ash. And that's why in Romans 12 and 1, it says to present your bodies as a living, breathing sacrifice. How can you be a living sacrifice? That's like saying you're a walking dead and that's what God intends you to be. He intends for you to be a walking dead person. That he knows that there is resurrective power in our spirits. Because we come from God, there is a resurrection even in our aura, even in our spirits. But he says that we have to continually lay the flesh on the altar for it to die. I don't want an initial response of fire. God. I want a continual perpetual never ending blaze of God in my life because the only way a fire will continue is if it has air and a source of fuel the breath of God is the air I believe that God has started awesome things in our lives he has initiated awesome things in our lives but you know what? We, we, we start off and God is, God is, he starts revival in our life and he starts revival in our relationships and some kind of way we, it goes cold and we, we thought that this was the open door and it was the open door, but we let the fire go out because we stopped putting fuel on the altar. We stopped putting this flesh on the altar. We got used to it. We got comfortable. We got to say this is good enough. As long as the enemy, as long as I got a little relief, as long as the devil's not breathing by my, down my neck. But God said, no, I need you to continually, like Romans 12 and 1 says, you have to present your body a living, meaning it's continual, always putting that flesh. Because how many know the flesh has a way to resurrect itself? We can bury it in that water, in that baptism pool, but just, just believe, just like the thriller, just like the thriller video, that the flesh comes back. Word of God said we have to die daily. Knowing that the, the flesh is your enemy. You're not a natural person having a spiritual experience. You are a spiritual person having a natural experience. And the word of God said the flesh is always warring against the spirit. It doesn't want to do right, y'all. It wants to eat M&M's in the middle of the night. It wants to get a nightcap drink just so I can rest rather than resting in the peace of God. That's what the flesh wants. It doesn't want to fast. It doesn't want to pray. It wants to watch. It, it wants to watch, watch the whole episode of Luke Cage on Netflix all in one sitting. And I love Luke Cage. It's a great, great show. But I dare not do that longer and not have a hunger to be in God's presence. 
to respond. Somebody declare, say, I want God's response. It may be fire, it may be all this, it may be different things, it may be healing. How many have at least about seven things that you need God to respond about? Tell me, I put both hands, feet, and everything up. That if we if we take this counsel in today, y'all, and we get the necessary things in order, I believe that God will start responding just like that. It's about alignment. Here's the last thing that he did, y'all. 33 says this. After he put the stones together, which represents the truth, after he put the wood on the altar. That represents humanity. That God, you're going to send the fire, I know it. But you need to attach to something to burn the sacrifice. 33, he says, and then he said, fill four jars with water. And pour it on the burnt offering and on the wood. And then he said, do it a second time. And they did it a second time. And then he said, do it a third time. And they did it a third time. And the water ran around the altar and filled the trench also with water. Water represents the Holy Spirit. Could it be possible? That the reason God has not responded is that we have not consulted his Holy Spirit is it possible that the reason he that you have not consulted the, the, the person, the helper the, the, the sustainer the thing that he sent back to this earth so that we could be successful. Have we said, Lord, I got this. Until I get trouble, I, I'll keep you over here and I'll break. In case of emergency, I'll break the glass. But until then, I, I, I will not acknowledge you in all my ways so that you can direct my paths. I got this until I get in a tight spot. Could it be possible that the reason that God has not responded is because we have not poured water on our humanity? Wow. This is flesh on the altar. And we have not applied enough spirit. We have not applied. We, 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 and God has, don't get me wrong, God has given people in this room enormous gifts, enormous talents. God, he gave it to you. He put it in you from your mother's womb. There are callings in you. But let me tell you, you cannot put your trust in the arms of flesh, even your own. We always want to attribute that to, honey, you can't put your, your trust in the arms of flesh. And that's true. And we always want to attribute it like other people. No, you can't trust your own flesh. Because the thing that I would do, would not do, I do. Paul said, there's a war going on in my members. <laughs> I'm getting the middle age, but there's a war going on in these members. Somebody older than me know that there's a war going on. Tell me there's a war going on. These members want to do what they want to do. This mind wants to do what it wants to do. This tongue wants to do what it wants to do. 
And God is saying, in order for me to respond, notice he put only 12 stones of truth. He only put a couple sticks of wood, but he applied the water three times. Anybody who got good sense knows that wet wood don't burn. people cut wood in the spring and they, they let it sit all summer so it can dry. I ain't a country boy, but I know a good, because green wood smokes, it don't burn. Could it be possible that Elijah wanted the wood so wet, he wanted his manhood, the manhood, the humanity of him so wet that when God sent fire and consumed it, they had to acknowledge that it was God and God alone. Could it be that you're not wet enough? Could it be is that, see the, see, the drier the wood, the more ignitable it is. And so when things start to happen, we think it's because of our goodness. We start thinking it's because of our degree. We start thinking because it's about our associations or it's about our physical talent or our mental prowess. But God said, I need you to get so soaking wet with my spirit that when I perform what I said I would do, the devil himself will have to acknowledge that this is the handiwork of God. Would you raise your hand again if you want the response of God? God wants us so wet with his spirit. He applied water three times until the water started filling the trenches. One part stone. One part wood. But three parts spirit. Could it be possible that we've been feeding the wrong thing? Here's the other part. Some of us are such seekers of truth that we end up living a life with falsehood. Oh, I love truth, but sometimes when you some things you settled on, you just need to be settled on and then we need to move on. We can, be, we can be such an explorer that we end up finding something weird and something twisted, something wicked out there. Don't get me wrong, I'm a person that loves, I love asking questions. But God said, I need three times as much spirit as I need of your flesh. The only thing you're good, the only thing your flesh is good for is for putting on the altar. Here's the last thing. After he put the stones together, after he put the wood on the altar, after he flooded it, this is what he said in 36. Oh, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, 
And look at this, y'all. In Israel, most people said Jacob. But he said, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, the one whom you have covenant with. Not the one who stole covenant, but the one that you formulated a new and more lasting covenant with. He said, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and that I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord. Answer me. Look at this, y'all. That this people may know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have turned their hearts back. There's two things I want to leave with you. After he, after he went through all these stages to put the altar back together and to put, his, put a representative of flesh on the altar and then put three times as a representative of the spirit on the altar as an acknowledgement that God, I need your spirit. Just like David said, do whatever you want to, but don't take your spirit away from me. After he did those things, he didn't honorably acknowledge that this is not so people can go around and leave the town saying, yo man, Elijah is a bad dude. Don't play with him. He ain't no joke. God, this is so that all will know that you are God. So that all will know that you are the true and living God. This is what we have. And I want you to write this down. We need to pray. We need to seek God. We need to petition God with perspective and we need to seek God with purpose. He had a perspective that this ain't about me. I am, the, I am the central character in this activity that's going on. But at the end of the day, God, this is not about me. This is so that you can be glorified. This is so that the hearts of Israel can be turned back to you. And are we asking things through, through, through the wrong perspective? Are we asking things with, without the true perspective that God, this is about you? That when I want you to make me debt free, it's so that you can be glorified. When, when, when I want you to heal my body, I want you to heal my body so that I can go and build kingdom. Because the word of God said that we seek ye first the kingdom of God and it's right there. Then all these things. Could it be possible that we've been seeking God to solve the things and we haven't had the right perspective that the things that he's going to give us, the fire that he's going to respond with is for the advancement of his kingdom. I'm so glad that you're quiet. Because I want to pose these questions to you today. Again, by show of hands, how many want God to respond in your life? Declare the atmosphere. I want God's response. Elijah had a proper perspective. And through his proper perspective, he declared the proper purpose. And look at God's response. 38, it says this. After he did all those things, after he put the stones together, after he rebuilt the altar, after he put the representative of flesh on the altar, after he put three times as much representative of his Holy Spirit, which was acknowledgement of him on the altar, then he declared 
and acknowledge that, God, this is all about you. Can somebody look up to the Lord and say, Lord, this is all about you? It's all about you. The miracle that I need, God, it's really all about you. Now, don't say it unless you mean it. But what I need you to respond with, God, it's so that you will be glorified. It's so that people's hearts will be turned back to you. And I believe that when we have the proper perspective that, God, I want to rebuild the altar. I want to rededicate myself to prayer. I want to rededicate myself to your word. I want to rededicate myself to laying my flesh down on a daily basis because just like just like dirt builds up and we have to wash daily, that's, that, 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 that flesh is always regenerating itself. And so I've got to die daily. I've got to die continually. And God, not only once I exfoliate this flesh, I need the soothing salve of your spirit to clothe me, to cover me, to empower me, to buffer me, to keep off the enemy. And when I do those things, I will acknowledge that you are God. And whatever you are about to do, we love to say after it's done, oh girl, it was God. But can you say it before he sends fire? God, what's about to happen? Only you could do this. What's about to happen? God, I have created a scenario that only you can do this. says spirit blow on through spirit move we're ready for you spirit blow on through we'll do come and do what only you can do there are some things that the doctors have written off people have written off you know that family members have so much hatred in their heart it's going to take the intervention of God himself to turn it around well God said if you go through the proper steps if you rebuild your altar if you lay that flesh and say God I don't know if I did anything but just in case God I laid my flesh on the horns of the altar and I thought I want you to burn up everything that is contrary to your spirit once you are finished, God, I need a new infilling of your precious Holy Spirit. I want to know you in a new way. I want a new feeling. I want a new volume of you. Lord, I want I, Lord, I can't hold this new wine and old skin. So God, I want you to destroy this temple of this flesh so that I can be a new and a new vessel that you can fill up and that you can pull. And I acknowledge God that I'm not doing it so that my name can be in life. I'm not doing it so that people can call me prophet such and such. People who call themselves a prophet, I doubt if you're a prophet at all. When, when you, you speak the word, people will call you blessed. People will call you a prophet. People will call you a seer. People will call you a dreamer when they see the evidence. God, I thank you. I am nothing but a lowly servant in the house of God. I can do nothing without him. I need him. God, I thank you. And God said, I am not afraid of a challenge. Everybody standing. I am not afraid of a challenge. I want you to create a scenario 
that it takes me. I want you to hear me good. Some of us in this room, we have shied away from challenges. We have shied away from fights and issues. And let me tell you something. In order to take territory, there are going to be giants in the land. There are going to be enemies. There are going to be guards at the gate. There are going to be junkyard dogs that are barking and, and, and salivating and their teeth. And they're going to be breathing. You're going to feel their hot breath. But can you stand toe to toe and say, I have the God, Jehovah, backing me up. So if we're going to have a showdown, let's do it right. He turned his face to God and said, I acknowledge you as God. And God, I have set the stage. Now, I'm, I might look crazy, but when fire falls, God's going to validate me. Tell somebody, when fire falls. When the fire falls, he's going to shut up every critic. The people that doubted you, the people that called you crazy, he's going to validate that he is God. And he's going to validate that you are his child. And he is eager to perform. He is eager to respond. I can, I can be, there can be a room full of a hundred children and I can hear each of my children's voices. in a room full of 200 adults and they can hear mom and dad is yours because they've been hearing it ever since. They were, they were uh, 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 planted in, inside their mother's room. They've been hearing our voice. And God said, I desire to respond to you, but you've got to rebuild your altar. And once you rebuild your altar, I need flesh. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah, I mean, the burnt sacrifice was the true thing, but the burnt sacrifice could not be, could not be burned and consumed without first the wood being on there to consume it. And this is the part that's counterintuitive. I need more spirit than I need flesh. But I declare to you, people of God, That fire is about to fall in your lives. If you heed to today's message and you recommit yourself to rebuilding the altar, if you recommit yourself to laying flesh down daily, if you recommit yourself to ask for more of his spirit and become wet wood, that's contrary. Wet wood is not supposed to burn. Wet wood is not supposed to be able to be ignited, Sister Gwen. But God said, I am looking for wet wood. Then he said, I just need you to confess that God this is all about you and this is all so your kingdom can be advanced and so that men's hearts will be turned 
back to you. Everybody holding somebody's hand. Right now in Jesus' name, Lord, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that we are beginning to rebuild the altars, God. We will not be satisfied until we rebuild an altar. We will not be satisfied. We will not be satisfied until we put it brick by brick. Brick by brick. Not a broken down altar, God, but altars built on truth, God. We won't come to you praying for selfish things, God. We won't come to you praying against the demise of people, God. We won't come to you out of jealousy and out of envy and out of strife, God. We're going to come to you with the stones of truth, God. Saying, God, we thank you, Lord, that we've rebuilt your altars. And after we rebuild the altars, God, we're going to put wood on the altar, God. We're going to put this flesh, God. Allow our ways, our methods, what we think is right. Lord, let us put it on the altar, God. The only way you can use us is is dead, God. Lord, you said in in Romans 12 and 1, God, that you for us to present ourselves a living sacrifice, God. Lord, you want wet wood. God, we need your presence like never more. Like never before, God. Send your presence. Send your spirit. Send your spirit. Lord, we bind up strange voices. Familiar spirits, God. Send the authentic spirit of the living God. God, we put our flesh on the altar. Come on, I need to hear you crying out. There are people in this room, you have to make decisions. Some of the ways that you're living, some of the connections that you have. It is a barrier from God responding. It's time, like Elijah said. How long are you going to waver between two opinions? If God be God, then you follow him. But if your boyfriend be God, you follow him. If the girlfriend be God, you follow after her. If the job be God, you follow. But God said, make a choice. How long will you waver between two opinions? The time for straddling an offense is over. God said, if I be God, make a decision. You can't just have me in your portfolio. You need it. It is all or nothing. Get off the fence, saith the Lord. Make a decision today. If you want his response, how insulting it is for us to expect him to respond, for us to expect him to respond, for us to expect him to respond, and we have not laid flesh on the altar. How arrogant it is of us. That we're trying to pray to an altar that we have not rebuilt. thank you how arrogant it is of us to get in his presence and give him a wish list like he was sitting on Santa's lap God said you need my spirit we need his spirit we need a deluge of his spirit we need an overflow of his spirit we need the water to run into our trenches 
fill us up, God, till we overflow. We want to be wet wood, God. With your spirit, not a familiar spirit, not a strange spirit. God, we want your authentic spirit. There are many voices out there, God, but get wet. Tune into us with such clarity, God, that we know that it is your spirit. Come on, begin to cry out to the Lord. Come on, come on, come on, cry out to him. God, we want your response. Children inspect the response of their father. And God, we want your response today. In school, God, we want your response. In our marriages, God, we want your response. In our bodies, God, we want your response, God. In our careers, God, we want your response. God, we are rebuilding our altars. We are putting the stones of truth back together, God. In our business, God, we want your fire. As we raise this ch these children, as we live life with our husbands and our wives, God, we need fire. We need fire, God. We need fire for our children and our careers and our business. Somebody say, God, send your fire. We need your response, God. When fire falls, when fire falls, when fire falls, when fire falls, God, we are, we are longing for the day when fire falls. God, send it, send it. Lord, don't, don't, Lord, don't withhold yourself from us any longer, God. We need your presence. Lord, not to be weird, not to be spiritual wonders. Not to do all this and that, God, but we need your spirit to make it. Thank you for tuning in today with Fellowship Church. We pray that you were blessed by the message, and we would like to connect with you through our website, fellowshipws.org, or facebook.com slash at the fellowship. If you are ever in the greater triad area, we would love for you to be our VIP for weekend worship experience on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. On behalf of Pastor Tony and the Fellowship family, thank you again for joining us. And remember to love God, love people, and impact the world.